We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Nashville, Tennessee, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio. This is the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice, but do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, UFC, current events, President Trump, politics all around the world, where the world's going, is it good or bad? We've got a lot to talk about today. I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis, and I'm here with a very special guest, a friend of mine that uh, actually we met at the gym, you know, and it just grew into the friendship. An amazing, fascinating story. People, you've watched Cocaine Cowboys, maybe seen the movie Blow, maybe seen many other films about, you know, all military action, you name it. You may have done Blow. Yeah, you may have. Thanks, TJ, for that added comment. (laughs) But with that being said... We have a man that's been around the world 85 million times in more ways than one, and you're going to find out why. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. And His name is Eric Resner West. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hi, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Yep, got you on the show. Eric has uh, done a lot in the world. He's a big UFC fan, um, military, and much more that we're going to talk about. But before we go into that, we just came off a really great show. So can you give us a second, Eric, and share 100%, with us? 100%. Uh, TJ, Kansas City, I want to uh, give a shout-out to Kansas City, not just because of the great barbecue, but because of the great fans of Kansas City. Uh, the courtesy there, the fans, the energy, uh, setting a record in another arena, according to Dana White. And according to Dana White, what was a perfect show Saturday night? I have to agree with him in many different ways, but there's two fights that I want to talk about. It's the co-main event and the main event, and I can't say anything better than, oh, my God, Watterson and Nama Yunus, jeez. Yeah, Rose is uh, legit. Wow. And, um, More than ever. Yeah, I mean, and, and Michelle Watterson, former Invicta FC champion, she's fantastic too. And speaking of Invicta FC, I get to go to Kansas City plenty of times because of Invicta. Is it not one of the greatest cities in this country? It is one of the greatest cities in this country, but I'm going to pick you up on something. Mm-hmm. Last week, you said, and I quote, mm-hmm. that the Kansas City Airport is one of the greatest airports in the United States. Is it not? It is not. Really? And I mean that with all respect, Kansas City. Wow. The, Explain. You land at the gate. The baggage is over here. Yeah. They load in, at least when I did, they, for about four gates at a time. There is no TSA. There is no priority line. 
You are bottlenecked in with everybody, with all respect to everybody who has their coach seat. You hear what's happening right now, Eric? This is called the spoiled <laughs> this, flyer. This is, this, is, this, this, is, this, is, this is Bruce being bougie. Yeah, I'm being right? bougie. Very bougie here, Mr. When, Buffer. When you travel, you oh, said it was How what, dare we have to just stick around dare. with the com, common Com- man? Complaining about filet yeah. mignon or lobster? Like, come on, Buffer. <laughs> what, you said the greatest? It one is. Of the, one of the, no. No, no, no. It does Instead, not have a TSA no, 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 line. No. I'm TSA. It does not have a priority line. I are you talking about TSA business. pre-check? Pre-check. It does have a pre-check no. line. Yes, it does. I go through the pre-check. Not when I left. Buffer. I go through the pre-check line every single wrong. time. I, I was there. How dare you have to sit with the common man in line? Was it tough? Yourself. Tough rubbing John, elbows with the common people like John, us? John, Anik, and I were slightly frustrated, <laughs> I must say. Oh, man. Be more than John. The no, beautiful John. people. Come on, Buffer. <laughs> Get over it. All kidding aside, um, just a great experience. It was, it was great. Love Kansas City. Love the show. Uh, everything from the sound system I got to work with to the to everything it was just perfect. It was perfection, and it all get that microphone in front of you. It's tilted off to the side. Yes. Yeah, you need to have it in front of you. You need to oh. talk into the microphone. Am I not sounding like myself? Well, you just don't sound as powerful as as you should. Well, so see? I'm back, and here I am, this powerful well, city. Okay, so all all uh, this going forward, huge props to Michelle Waterson. Huge props. To Rose for a great fight that win or lose was a great fight, but Rose had, with what less than ten fights, I have never seen her that ferocious. Yeah, I mean uh, the head kick was was really the beginning about, of the end. How about the elbows? And uh, I mean Rose is, is a scary, scary fighter. Scary, scary fighter. And um, I don't know if she's ready for a title yet. Um, you know, well, I, you, I, I, you're I, a big fan. You're shaking your head. Do you agree? I agree. I agree with you. I think that she is great. I just don't think I'm not Joanna Champion. I don't think she's Joanna Champion great. Uh, I, she could be. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, just, I just think that she needs to have one or two more fights. Right. I would love to see her fight Carla Esparza again. I know Carla's coming off of a loss um, to, to Randa Marcos. Um, and, and generally, Sean Shelby likes to match up winners with winners, losers with losers, and kind of let it... Um, sort of for those, sort of self out. All fairness for those uh, that do know, great, and you should. For those that do not know and love the UFC, Sean Shelby, uh, we lost Joe Silva recently, mm-hmm. the all around legendary matchmaker UFC. But we have not lost anything because we have Sean Shelby. Right, does a great job. Yeah, yeah, and Mick yeah. Maynard has picked up, um, you know, where where Joe has left off as well, and helping Sean. Hey, Nick's um, a very cool dude. Yeah, very cool. Knows his stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but but I, I just think that. Before Rose gets another title fight, I'd like to see her fight at least one more fight with another contender. I agree. Um, I don't know who that is, and if uh, if she, if she does end up fighting um, Joanna before the end of the year, I'm not going to be too upset with it. And let's not count out uh, Andrade as well. I mean, she's mm-hmm. knocking on the door there. No, there's and, no. It's not. She fair. could win. Yeah. Yeah. But, we can't do that. We can't talk past that fight. I mean, 115 pounds is uh, for me for my money. Uh, you're never going to get a bad fight at 115. You're I, really, really not. I, you know, I, I always said it before. When, when they first said women's MMA was going to come in, I was not a proponent of it because I was worried that the bench was not deep enough. Yeah. I had announced a show called Femme Fatale uh, years before that, which I thought was a great show that night. A lot of those girls, ladies, still fighting. Uh, TJ has worked with Invicta, uh, the female fighting league. And of course, Strike Force had female fighters, and you know, finally it happened. I got to tell you, I'm just, I'm a huge, huge. They bring it, bring it, bring it. I've never seen a female fight yet where they did not bring it. I agree. I agree. I I love watching the girls fight, even though it's always hard to fight. 
people have texted me, hey, who do you like, Michelle or, or, um, or Rose? And I'm like, they're both cute. It's hard to... They're both gorgeous. They're both gorgeous. Yeah. It's hard to watch anybody. I just didn't... I felt like Michelle didn't have it. Like, I just... Something was missing. Like, she'd throw her combinations, and then she'd kind of, like, ease off. And there was... I didn't feel that she had it, like, that anger. I, th- I just felt Rose maybe felt like she was looked a little past. I, just, I felt Rose had more anger and more want to win the fight well, you than can see, when she was dropping those elbows there was just i mean she has that vicious finish yeah. quality about her and to yeah. be a great fighter you have to be a finisher yeah. and rose is a finisher and so is michelle and what did you is michelle's side angle the side angle when she throws those you know she'll throw side kicks and hit in the head as she did in yeah. the first round uh go back into that she was off balance when she caught the head kick and went down had her feet been planted properly she may have been able to deal with that kick what do you? How do you feel about that side angle, which is, is a real martial arts? You know, even in my Tongsudo days, yeah, I mean, very it's, similar. It's, it's, I mean, Wonder so Boy's great with it. Yes, it's, yeah, a, it's a karate form of fighting. It, it's, it's a traditional um, technique. And how do you think it works against a movable striker? It, it, like it depends. It, it, it's, it depends. It's it's. I mean, for some people it works well. For other people it doesn't. And that is for the person throwing it and the person that you're throwing it against. Obviously, it didn't work well. For Michelle against uh, Nama Yunus, so. And what's the proper name of the? I, I know this on brain farting right now. The proper name of the kick to over the knee, which is one of my favorite kicks. And I'm they they about. call it the oblique kick. The oblique kick, yeah. Um, I call it something it's else. Technically not an oblique no, kick because the oblique is not the knee. Right. Um, but eh, I don't she know. She was I very effective. Yeah, so, but, but that's, that's a Winklejohn. That's yeah. a Winklejohn yes, move. Yes, you know yes. what I mean? And John uh, Jones. John Jones. Yeah, uses well, another well, Winklejohn. Winkle Winkle yeah. um, so I'm curious. You said that you didn't know who to pick because they're, they're both cute. They're both super hot. Right. I so mean, let me ask you this: like yeah. in the main event, I mean, did you use that same determining factor as well? <laughs> I went. I did go with Demetrius. Was the cutest? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. He's got the cutest. Ears. And if it comes down to, you know, they're both close in cuteness, I'll go with the American. So Demetrius was the American. I had to go with the American. Got it. <laughs> All right. Your patriotism coming through. Coming through. All right. Now, big question. Big question. We watched Demetrius. Loved. I, you know, I have such a high knowledge of kicks. What do you call the kick? Uh, to me, it was almost like an axe kick when he was behind. He comes up like an axe kick, but he's mm. hitting the guy that's, you know, behind the kick. What do you call the kick? I, what is the name for that kick? Mighty Mouse kick? I don't know. It's beautiful, whatever. isn't it? It's it would, great. Whatever he wants it to be It's called. almost like it became disjointed at the hip and, you know, kicked she, him right in the she head. She makes everything look so yeah. easy. So yeah. easy, so technical, so... All right, boys. Is he the GOAT? Is he the greatest of all time? You first. I'll take the easy way out and say at 125, yes. <laughs> well, 125, <laughs> Sure. Sure. I think it's, there's time. so many great guys and it's so easy to forget. Like, Anderson lost a couple and he's not at the top so now people like you tend to forget oh he's not but he was and john jones is and you know at one point i thought kane was the best in the world but he can't stay healthy i mean you know but i think demetrius is definitely in the top two or three of all time well he's defending now 10 times yeah 10 times Tied one more anderson, time yeah. one more time he breaks anderson Silva's record yeah. mm-hmm. so okay not taking it lightly he breaks a record does that make you the greatest of all time just because you break the record i, think I don't think so personally no. I don't think just breaking a record makes you the greatest of all time. Of course, your fighting ability mixed in with it and everything else makes you the greatest of all time. At 125, yes, he is. But I, and I cannot argue when people say he's the GOAT. I can't argue because he's proving it left and right. I think the, uh, what takes away from them, it's, I think people always think of the, the heavier weights. 
you know, like even when you think of boxing back in the day, the the best were the Tysons, the the big heavyweights. Well, that's what drives the sport. Yeah, and I think what takes away from him is being at the one twenty five. I absolutely agree. I I think that's true. But I love watching him fight. I used to joke with my friends saying when him and Dotson would fight, you had to use a slow motion. Yeah. To slow it down because it was like, what's going no, on? No, he's one of my favorites. He's a great yeah. guy too. I, I I love Demetrius, and uh, you know, it's just he's he's a pleasure. Three hundred sixty degrees around, and I love watching him fight. He's one of my favorites. Um, obviously, the, we set a record with the gate there. Um, I couldn't call it a sellout, but it seemed awfully sold out to me looking around by mm -hmm. the time the fight came around. So, can I can I be honest with you? Please. Demetrius Johnson is the fourth greatest fighter of all time. Lay it out. Number one, Anderson Silva. Yes. Number two, George St. Pierre. Yes. Number three, Fedor Emelianenko. And number four. Questionable. Why? I, I'm just saying questionable. No. Do you, I, I put, put him in the top five. I don't know if I'm going to call him top three. Tell just, me why. I love Fedor, too. And that's all besides the point. I mean, yes, as a heavyweight, I'm going to go with uh, maybe the third or less greatest heavyweight ever. I'm not going to call him the greatest fighter of all time. You're not going to call him the greatest heavyweight of all time? Oh, the greatest heavyweight? I just told you. In the yeah, I thought you just said he's the third greatest heavyweight of all time. No, 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 no. I said I would put him in the top three, which means I could call him the greatest heavyweight of all time. Right, yeah. Time I, to think about it. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. I just Sorry said if he, I came across wrong. I'm, I'm confused. I thought you said the greatest of all time, meaning I just all... said Fedor is the third greatest fighter of all time. Okay, but the greatest heavyweight of all time. He's clearly the greatest heavyweight yes. of all time. There's no yes. debate. Yes. Um, so, number one, Anderson Silva. Mm -hmm. Number two, George St. Pierre. Mm -hmm. Number three, Fedor Emelianenko. Okay, got it now. Sorry. And number four, Demetrius Johnson. And where do you put John Jones? Yeah. Uh, John Jones... Um, I would put him at five, and in, in, in the reason I would put him at five is because he's not done authoring his story. Okay, no, I'm, I'm the, with you on the, that. The, the, the big thing about John Jones at this point is the man needs to stop embarrassing himself because John Jones' biggest opponent in his career has been himself, yeah. and didn't it remains I, to didn't be Didn't I write that in my book? I put that in my book. Way well, you told I, John I, that yes. before he became the UFC light heavyweight champion. Head-to-head -head dinner, one-on-one. On this one -on -one. radio show. That's right. That's right. Yes. Not just on dinner private. I told no. him on the show. I yes. tell it like it is, don't I? Yes. That's right. You got the buffer talk. You told him that. <laughs> you, I mean, Bruce, honestly, you told him that he had the opportunity to be the Muhammad Ali of mixed martial arts. You God, did. I wish you had that clip. I would love well, to I can that pull one. it up if you want me to. Yeah. Uh, well, pull, I'll pull it up for next week. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's I, there. That would get us back. Yeah. Okay. No, but you are exactly correct. How can you be the greatest of all time when you're sitting on your duff? And I mean it with all respect. You can't walk into the cage or the ring and you can't fight until everything is settled, which it is in July, right? Yeah. yeah. But he can't make you he can't make the UFC big UFC in July. It's well Dana White said that he's never he, he's not gonna put him in the main event. No, but he did say he would make him did he even say he'd make him co main? Yeah, he said he'd make him co I mean, here's the bottom line. Uh, honestly, like I love Dana. He's very important to the sport and the success of it. <laughs> you say it's so casual. But but well, I, I'm I'm just saying it because it's it's common knowledge. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. I say it so casually. Um but uh, the bottom line is when John Jones fights it's not really going to be up to Dana White whether or not he's the main event. If John Jones is on a card, he's going to be the most intriguing story. And you don't have another fighter short of Conor McGregor uh, on contract right now that would trump him for fan appeal at this I, point. I, I, yes, I'll go with except for Conor McGregor. Um, That's I, what I just said. Yes. yes. I, I'm listening to you now, yeah, I yeah. promise. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> but here's the main thing in that reason, and then we're going to go on to – I want to get into Eric's story – um, the main reason for that is all a marketing standpoint, too. Millions and millions of dollars will have to be spent to, on, and will be spent, not have to be spent, will be spent promoting the comeback of John Jones. Uh, in order to do that, you don't ever jeopardize, which has happened on, what, two occasions already, that your main event is in question. 
and you to go through that big change. I think a lot of lessons have been learned over the last couple of years with the cancel fights that Dana and, and the matchmakers have had to deal with. So you put them in a position on the show that you, you know you still spend the millions, but you also have something else counteracting it. So that's another key reason I, I, I think involving him not being a main event. Um, but we all want to see him fight. We can't wait for it. it's going to happen. Dana, Dana just said that he it's up to John Jones. Does he want to fight in July, or no, does I he want a warm up fight? I don't know if it's really like that. I don't know. Is his suspension in time for him to? He can train now no matter what, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he can train whenever he wants to. It's whether or not he can be a licensed fighter, and he cannot be a licensed fighter until July, um, right around International Fight Week. It'll be a year from UFC 200. So. And until that's signed, done, and deal, we can't estimate when he'll be back. He's got to get that piece of paper saying he's signed. No, no, I mean, he's suspended for X amount of days. So okay, once okay. once that day hits Automatic. zero, Automatic. he can be a licensed fighter again. He I'm, may, because, uh, I mean, technically... I don't believe that he's even suspended with the athletic commissions. This was a, U, a USADA violation. Gotcha. So this is an independent thing. So, um, I mean, technically, John Jones, I believe, could, uh, if he was not a licensed fighter with the UFC, could go fight anywhere he wants to. You know what I mean? If he's under contract. You know he could. Uh, but he's not. No. But never I'm leave saying, the no, NFL, no, no. and the UFC I, is no, the I NFL. Think, I, I, don't I know what you mean. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Like, when I'm, I'm getting good at that today. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is if he didn't have a UFC contract, there's nothing preventing him from taking a fight. Gotcha. He's not he's not suspended according to the uh, Association of Boxing gotcha. Commissions. Okay. He's suspended because of USADA, which only UFC athletes are subjected to. Thank you. Do you I, think I mean that sincerely? <laughs> do you think, right. do you think the DC wants him to fight in July? That way he doesn't have a warm up fight or not make that well, card and then because if you if you go by history, uh, John Jones did not look good when he came back after the long layoff and fought Ovin St. Peru. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Cormier, if Daniel Cormier is, is at his best, DC has a much better chance at beating John Jones, uh, the John Jones that showed up and fought Ovin St. Peru. So historically, John may not look all that great coming back for a first fight. If I was Daniel Cormier, I would say, no, I want, I, I'm the champion. You're the quote-unquote uh, greatest of all time. I want to fight you. I should be your first fight back. That's do, what I would want to do. Do you know, speaking of great fighters, yes. do you know who I compare Daniel Cormier to? Who's that? The career of Randy Couture. I look at Daniel Cormier, and I think I, I, how he's a wrestler, how he's fought everybody, anybody, no question. Um, been questioned his ability. Will he win this fight? And you know, and he takes it on, uh, loses the championship, gets a, you know, all that. I just see, I see a lot of similarities. Maybe I don't know if Daniel Cormier has ever been an underdog to anybody except John well, not Jones. Not necessarily on the underdog situation. Well, yeah, Randy, yeah, yes, Randy Couture was an underdog almost all of his fights. That, in respect to that, that is not a comparison that's correct, and you're right on that. But looking at it, every else, his grit, his 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 ability to deal with adversity, and you know, and 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 just. The, the manner and the demeanor of the man just reminds me a lot of Randy Couture. Sure. But, Same college. But you never ran, heard Randy Couture complain as much as DC. You what never heard Randy Couture complain well, at all except What, what does Daniel Cormier complain about it? Fill me in on this. John Jones. John Jones. Uh -huh. well, no, what, is that complaining? What is he complaining or is that kind of calling? What's his, what's his gripe, For though? example, no, shouldn't be allowed to come to the event. Don't come into the ring. Oh, come that. on, Well, that, that's smack talking, though. That's, he's no, not really complaining. Like, why do you even care? I because mean, that's like, his main rival. I know, but it, it almost feels like... That's not complaining. I almost, honestly, and I love DC. Like I said, I love the Americans. He was on the Olympic team. I love all that part of him. But, dude, just fight. Don't, like, who cares? I yeah, mean, but, but if we've learned anything over the last uh, probably three or four years... Smack talk sells. Yeah, if you don't do things like that, you don't get paid. But now he reversed it. Now he's 
he's accepting the villain. I'm the villain, even though he's not the villain, but you know, because he he's like, a nice villain. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he's the villain. You hear this guy get booed? He can't walk anywhere. But now know? he's ex- before he would get all butthurt about it. Now he's like. You got to. Tyron Woodley's doing the same thing. I have I have a more personal relationship, I think, than either of you do with Daniel Cormier, and he's my friend, and we've had had a chance to really enjoy some private time together with you know Anik and other guys, and even when we went to uh, our producer's wedding all together at the yeah. same table, and it just he's just a great guy. He's so much fun. He's highly intelligent. Um, he walks the walk and talks the talk yeah. himself. There's no question. Uh, I just very enamored of Daniel. I like him as a human being. I love him as a fighter, and he just—I just like guys that are grit and get in no, there. No, I love him, dude. Yeah. I mean, I—I—I I, I love him, but I mean, if it comes down to him or John Jones, I want—I like John Jones. John Jones is the really, guy. yeah. I'm—I'm I'm confused in why you like John Jones better than Daniel Cormier. I already told because you. I go with. We, the we better have an hour and a half for the show because no, no, this is good stuff. The, but I get a lot of good stuff. The cutest. Really? John Jones is cuter. <laughs> We are, we are, oh, there we go. We are, That's it right there. There's the answer. I, I will say this, and I think this is the, the main thing that DC complains about, is why does Daniel Cormier get booed when John Jones is beloved? Daniel Cormier didn't test positive for cocaine. Daniel yeah, Cormier no, didn't have right. a hit-and-run accident. Daniel Cormier didn't have a DUI and crashed up a car. Let, like, let me, let me Daniel t- Cormier is an American hero. John Jones is... A badass rock star, and he's beloved for it. Where the American hero, the member of the Olympic team, is booed because people prefer John Jones over. Him. And growing up, I was I liked Tommy Lee, and I liked the the, the <laughs> you know the, yeah. the no with John Jones. Just he changed that style. Like Cormier's style is, uh, you know, like you win, but I like just like you tell me in the, in, in the one seventy GSP. I love GSP. My favorite fighter, Carlos Condit. Why? I love the style, and I like John Jones' style. He just changes, and he, just, he morphs, morphs into different stuff every fight. He's, you know, something, and you that's know, what I like. What we have here is different strokes for different folks, mm-hmm. potatoes and tomatoes. That's what makes MMA so great. That's what makes a show great, in yeah. my opinion. I, we have a very good show because we get into stuff like this. And I, I want to get into your situation now, okay? Eric Resner West, uh, you know, I met you... Working out goals, training me with Tika, you know, that uh, killer that I train with once in a while. And he is, a, he, well, let's just keep it at that. We don't even know. We don't even know. <laughs> so, um, and you're on the same level. And, and when my killer Tika comes up to me, uh, who's Serbian, TJ, and Serbian saw everything happening in Serbia and saw things we cannot even imagine and probably did things we cannot even imagine, looks at me and says, see, Eric, that's one of the toughest men I know. And I'm looking, thinking to myself, because he doesn't give compliments. No. And I'm like, oh, I need to investigate this just a little further. And you and I start talking and meeting. And um, basically, I'm going to give a little background on you, okay, Eric? Uh, yes, sir. Eric's dad worked for the State Department for 40-plus years, from uh, USA to OAS. And he was a diplomat. You lived all over. If I'm not mistaken, part of the involvement was with the CIA. Uh, he did not know about that for a number of years. We'll go into that. You went to the Riverside Military Academy. Uh, you always wanted to serve your country. Uh, you went to college. Your sport was baseball. You ever think about being a pro? Yeah. I think growing up in some of the islands I lived on, the uh-huh. Dominican Republic, that's the big sport. And growing up, you look up at you know, the superstars that came out of there, and that was always like the thing. And I think I had the skill to right. do it. But then you went and you joined the Army. Yes, sir. So you joined to become an uh, Airborne Ranger yes, sir. from uh, 1989 to 1993. You served on multiple deployments. Uh, you left in August of 93 to go finish college at the University of Florida. Yes, sir. Let's get back to the deployments. Now, for the people listening at this time in 89 and 3, from a historical standpoint, uh, were you involved in, where were you and what was the involvement that was the heavy? 
I got, um, now it doesn't seem like a big deal because all, all our issues are in the Middle East, but back then all our issues were in Central and South America. Right. I speak fluent Spanish. So when I got the, I mean, I had the option to stay in college and I come from a, you know, upper middle class family. I had no need to join the military, but in the military, there's people either that had to join the military because they had no other options or the people that do it for the country, you know? So I, even though I, I was in college, I just, I wasn't ready. Like I felt like it was just like always a calling. Right. And I was raised in a way that, you know, you don't always have to win, but at least if you're going to do it, do whatever you do, do it a hundred percent. And to me, the top of the mountain was, you know, special operations, Rangers, and what motivated me was I had a, in Riverside, there was a badass Sergeant Vietnam Army Ranger, crazy guy, Sergeant Beecham. And that guy motivated me. I'm like, I want to be like that guy. Right. And um, yeah, but um, you go in the Army, and back then it was, um, you had the the regiments, the battalions had just been formed, the regiment had just been formed in the 84, 85, something like that. After, they got broken up after the Vietnam War. Right. And um, at that time, there was a lot of work in Central and South America with the CIA and the Contras and all that. And they were fighting, helping the Colombians fight the, the drugs, the drug cartels down there. So right. we did, um, we were supporting the Colombians down in late 88, 89, uh, chasing the Escobars and all that kind of stuff. We were the kind of like the hammer. To when, you, when you say the hammer, can you give us like a, an example? People want to hear. They want to hear okay. the story. Um, we were the... We were down there. It was kind of weird because we hadn't been approved to be down there, but we assumed we were going to be approved. But nobody knew you were down there, right? Exactly. Because we were there before it got approved, just like the CIA in Nicaragua and all that kind of stuff. So we were there to support the Colombians, train the Colombians. But, you know, for example, they'd give us a call. There was a direct direct action hit on on some intel on a on a lab or possible this and that and we'd fly in the colombians would land first and we were the advisors and we'd come in but we had the superior power power they're flying in hueys we're coming in blackhawks supported by little bird gunships and stuff like that and that's what we did for we were down there for about four or five months before the whole thing with escobar he turned himself in and the congress and no extradition and then we left dea stayed down there DEA was down there, so we support. We were kind of supporting DEA, so right. we were Americans supporting Americans. Because so when you go in there and you go into some of these places, like we see in the movies, the big labs and all the blow and everything, or what was it like? Um, the movie is the movie. Yeah, tell, mo- I want to hear the reality. Yeah, most of the time you get there and it's a couple shacks in the jungle. Some you know, some it's not. It's not. Is there one? Is there stuff like that? Yeah. Yes, but for the majority, we found airfields. Like, we were based out of an airfield up in the mountains. For the drops and the pickups. Yeah, and those are nice airfields with hangars, and that's where we got to sleep. And God bless Pablo Escobar, whoever built them, because (laughs) it was great for us. But most of the parts, when you went on raids, because they knew they might get hit by the the government, so they didn't go into these gazillion-dollar warehouses. It wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't these labs. I mean, your cocaine that you're partying with in Miami or New York... Was being mashed by some dude sweating all over it, you know, <laughs> mules and mosquitoes. Wait, were the ones beautiful topless girls? No, with yeah, yeah, things like, over their mouths, nah. and just you know, just doing it like in the movies. I mean, no. I thought that's what life was no, all about. No, 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 that yeah, that was yeah. a little more glamorous, a little less glamorous. But, got it. But because I f- spoke fluent Spanish, I got attached to what. Well, at the time, I don't know what it's still called the same. It's called RRD, which is Ranger Reconnaissance Detachment. It was mm-hmm. smaller, smaller groups. So they special that most guys spoke Spanish. You know, and and we worked in smaller smaller groups supporting DEA. Then after that, we came back in December of '89. We invaded Panama, mm-hmm. and we were part of the invasion task force. Red, I believe, I was attached to, and we secured the major airport. In um, that was in, a quick op, right? 
relatively it was, soon. It was quick, but it was the first major op since Grenada. Mm -hmm. And really, Grenada was really quicker than even the Panama. Really quick, yeah. And before that, it was Vietnam. So the problem with Panama was everybody wanted to be involved because right. you got all these units been training for 10 years and there was nothing going on. So we invaded. There was too many people. There was too many Americans. Too many, like, too many doing, cooks. Yeah, so we invaded. We secured the airfield. I got hurt. I had a, I had a partial malfunction on my parachute when we jumped in. What happened? Um, just First of all, we're jumping to 500 feet, which is the lowest you can jump. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. 500 feet? Yeah. So your, your, your parachute deploys immediately, right? You're on a hook? Yeah, you're on a hook, yeah. a static line. Right. Um, but normally in training, you do about 1,000 to 1,200 feet because there's time to... Let me put it this way. When, you, when you're doing a 500, 500 foot jump, you don't even jump with a reserve because technically if you have a malfunction, don't have time. you don't even have time. You're in the air for about three or four seconds. So what? You're, it didn't deploy and you hit the ground hard or what? It deployed partially, which you call a cigarette roll, where oh. the top is kind of deployed, but it's all tangled up. So it slows you down. And and I probably should have got a lot more hurt, but it's people don't think, people like, oh, I hit the ground going 20, 25 miles an hour. That hurts. Yeah. Like it's, it's you and I, I, had a, I have two herniated discs in my back. I, I messed up my left knee. But there's so much adrenaline pumping that right. I didn't realize it for like a day and a half later yeah, how much pain that. I was in. Um, Panama happened. And then after Panama, I lost one friend that I knew got killed by friendly fire, actually. Great. In, Which in, most people don't realize happens a lot. A lot. Yeah. And because the U.S. Army hadn't been fighting for so long, you had a lot of guys eager and throwing, you know, grenades. I mean, it was just everybody wanted to get involved. So yeah, a little too anxious. That was an issue. And then we came back. I went through, I was in the hospital for a while getting therapy. And um, after that, I think it was 91, we went into the first Gulf War. And that was fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm not laughing about, no. I'm sorry, that was not right with your face and the way you said that. But when you say that was fun, explain what you meant by that briefly, please. A lot of sit, hurry up and wait. A, yeah, lot a lot of hurry of up, around. go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're in units like Rangers, Special Forces, no SEALs, action or little yeah, action. Yeah, and those are units that get a mission going and do it. But when you get over there and there's that build up and you mm -hmm. build up for months and months and months. And then once again, there's so many people wanting to get involved. And um, we were based out of southern Turkey, northern Iraq, and we were in support. We were supposed to help the Special Forces groups that were helping the Kurds. And running missions to track down Scud missiles that were threats to Israel and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it was a lot of, um, I, I didn't fire one shot the whole time I was there. My, I never even used my weapon. We did a lot of night raids to support Delta Force or any other special operate, you know, teams, SAS teams. Right. We'd support them, secure their extractions. But like, yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff, a lot of people surrendering, a lot of. But not the, nothing, like the previous yeah, engagements. Like that. So, um, Basically, you went back to college, the University of Florida, and I get this, TJ, when he was in college, you began to get a taste for drugs. Yeah. Uh, you began to get a taste for the amount of money involved in the drugs, which I assume your experience, previous experience might have had something to fuel that a little bit. So after college, you moved to Atlanta, and you got deep into the drug game. You started smuggling. Now, I have XTC. What is XTC? What people call Molly nowadays, ecstasy. Mo oh, ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah. The original, the Got original it. stuff. The yeah. original stuff, yeah. yeah. Which actually people don't understand, but at ecstasy, I happened to, when I, one of the places I lived here in LA, my next door neighbor and her husband were some of the biggest uh, dealers in ecstasy, which I never took. I wasn't into yeah. it. 
but I, they were great people and having wine. Mm-hmm. And then I go, what do you do? Right? And it's like, what? So what he was doing was it was legal to make and, and distribute in Germany. Yep. So he would fly over to Germany, get the shipments. They'd bring them back here. And long story cut short, one day he goes over to Germany to where he's got this huge operation. Yep. The laws changed, which he wasn't aware of, in between his last trip and that trip, and they arrested him at the airport. And he's still in a German jail. The, uh, he was back then. The, uh, his wife, back home, uh, wound up going back to Texas, if I have this correctly, and getting arrested in Texas for the same thing, right? So they were like huge you know, dealers. So that, but it was, people understand, that was a very legal drug at one time. It was legal in the United States, I believe, until 1984. And the difference with the Mollies now, that's got a lot more stuff. And I tell people, stay away from that crap because yeah. it's a precursor to Alzheimer's. So anyway, you did the, you did the uh, ecstasy. You were dealing with ecstasy. Yeah. You also, you smuggled ecstasy from Europe. Just here, I'm just talking yeah. about that. You also did mule boats, parachute across the border. Now, when you say mule boats, which we all know, you know, I can well, imagine mules, what it is. Well, mules, we had, we, when we'd go to Amsterdam, we were paying, we'd had, you know, my, the guys I worked with, they had connections over there, and they were paying, we were getting ecstasy pills made for us over there for 60 cents a pill. What would you sell those things for? I mean, wholesale, wholesale. in the United States, you could do for eight bucks a pill. And retail, what do they go for? 20. Jeez. So I, what, damn. When I would bring if up, if I was on Shark Tank, I'd invest in that. <laughs> I know, right? What, no, Mr. They, Wonderful would invest what, in that one. No, it was. I'd come back. We'd bring three hundred, four hundred, five, six, seven hundred thousand pills. By the way, for the record, I would never get involved in drug distribution. No, 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 no. And I don't recommend it to anybody. It's never <laughs> apprehending. Um, I mean, think about it. We're bringing five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand pills that you get for sixty cents. I'd meet people. I'd be like, okay, if you buy it, if you cash me out, you're talking five to ten million dollar deals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't all mine. I was like, of course. I was like, one, I mean, was, um, people come to me and be like, hey, I want a, a thousand pills, cash. I'll give you for seven bucks. If you want me to front to you, you can have them for ten. If you know, I had all kinds of breakdown. If I'm yeah. out in a club and I always had pills in my pockets for my friends because you're partying, you're the candy man. Yep. And I'd be like, all right, twenty bucks, twenty five bucks a pill. Mm-hmm. I would leave my house on a Thursday night and come back on a Sunday from party like three, four days straight. And how much cash in your pocket? It was crazy. I, What's I'm the, the only... biggest cash deal you ever made? Um, well, drug wise, in the millions, but that I made like personally, I got paid to do was about a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But I was making this is back from ninety seven to two thousand when I got arrested. Um, Oh, like, you blew the whistle. I was going to break that uh, out. Oh, sorry. Hey, hey, real quick, what's crazy to me is like you're talking about million dollar deals, and yeah. you're only getting like a hundred thousand yeah, out of it. That's a lot. No, just real quick. That's a lot of money in your pocket that you're in charge of. Yeah. That is not yours. Yes. So it's a lot the, of yeah, yeah. Well, like never. I would never do it. Never do it. I used to. I'd go pick up. I have my guy because what I would do is I I was in charge. It got to. I first did it as a mule. Right. I went over and I came back from Europe strapped up with 17,000 ecstasy pills. Did you see that movie Midnight Express? Yeah. Do you ever sweat when you're going through customs? <laughs> customs was a joke back then. Yeah, I know. I, you, I, I, mean, I was in Europe back then. I know. No, even in the United States. I would walk through customs strapped up with all these drugs and want to come back because it was a high. It was an adrenaline high. You get through customs. You got to Once you read the book, you're going to be like, this guy's freaking bananas. Like, I would go through customs. I felt like going back and going, I can't believe you just let me walk through. <laughs> I'm, it, it was that bad. Really? It was, it was a high. It was. It was. What, a, what about the first time? Like, tell me about the first time you went through because you had to be scared shitless. It was. This was. You're not going to believe me by saying this, but I swear to you on what I love the most in the world was my mom and dad. I was over there. I get hired. I get hired to go over there. They're going to pay me ten thousand dollars 
to go and risk going to prison for five years, you know, right, I'm yeah. like, $10,000, I'm right out of college. You're like, this is so awesome. But um, I go over there, they give me the pills, and I don't even know what I'm doing. I, I strap, you can fit on your legs, you can fit one, two, like 4,000 on each leg, and then around your body. So when I get over there, I'm like, Jesus, how am I going to get the ones around my body? So I grab tape. That makes sense, right? It's all taped to my body. I get on the plane. When I sit in my seat. Duct tape? Duct tape. There's two ATF agents, a husband and wife, that have been doing a seminar in Paris. Because what we would do, we'd always fly out of clean, fly wow. out of clean countries. Go to Amsterdam, but take the train back, fly out of Paris or Madrid or somewhere that's not a drug country. You know, I was like, if you're going to go to smuggle drugs out of Colombia, buy them in Colombia and fly out of Argentina. Don't right. fly out of Colombia, back to the United States. So on the flight, I'm sitting here talking with these two ATF agents. I literally, I, I got to be careful because they're sitting here and I'm in the alley. So if they ever get up to go to the bathroom, if the guy hits my leg, he'll feel something hard. So he could be like, geez, what's what? But the worst part is I'm sitting there and I'm talking, I'm talking. Hours go on. The tape starts rolling up. Ooh. Dude, it literally starts ripping my side. Blood is coming out. I can't barely breathe. But I'm, at that point, I'm on the plane. What am I going to the bathroom, take it off, flush them? Or suck it up. And I literally signed that an eight, nine hour flight bleeding. Luckily, it was wintertime. We always did the trip. Yeah, I was say, it didn't break through your shirt? No, because I was wearing, like, uh, I had a thick, you know, flannel shirt. Right. Like, right. you say bleeding, like, how much? Like, no, dripping like, blood? Gashed. Like, oh I had blood gosh. just dripping down, like, like a steady stream of blood just coming down. I'm in pain. We get off the plane. I tag team. I'm walking with the two ATF agents. We get to the thing. They flash their badges. Pa 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 pa. I continue to talk to them. It was the weekend of the Florida Florida State game. I said we talked about the game for a second. They said, "Hey, Eric, have a you know nice talking to you on the plane." I walk up. I hand my passport to U.S Customs. They see me with two ATF agents. Like whatever. Pass, get go. out of here. Yeah. Wow. Did you did you call them up afterwards and ask them when they're going to Europe next? Like, yeah, that's our next <laughs> trip. Can you carry this bag for me? So smuggling from Europe in all kinds of ways. There's one right there. But then. Uh, you were sentenced. You were you were arrested and convicted and sentenced in 2001 after a year long investigation. Mm -hmm. So and you spent 63 months in federal prison. Yeah. Now I talk about all the time on the show with all respect to you, Eric. Okay. No, absolutely. All respect to you. No, no, no. You do the crime. You pay the fine. I am totally against drug dealers of magnitudes. I I I believe in the legalization of marijuana. I talk yeah. about it all the time yeah. on the show. But I'm totally against drug dealers and and drugs in general. Um, so. To be honest with you, you deserve to be arrested. You 100%. deserve to go to jail. 100%. But you did your sentence. Yep. Okay, so now you've done your sentence, I and mean, I mean that with respect, Eric. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't. Don't I hit agree. me. Don't don't nail me on the park. No. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, with that respect, do you have any remorse of any kind? My uh, did you create any kind of thing that you know what happened because you did the deal? Somebody got hurt. Somebody this did that. Is it causing? I, yeah, um, you know, I know you suffer from. PTSD strongly, which we'll get into from your military days, but this had to create some PTSD for you too. I would oh, think. absolutely. I mean, yeah. the the PTSD that I didn't know I had because in the army at the time when I was there, PTSD was frowned upon. Right. You know, you can't be in a infantry unit or light infantry ranger unit and have mental problems. Only the weak did that. So you literally had guys in my unit commit suicide in the unit, like come back after difficult stuff and literally blow their heads off because they rather die than go to the chaplain or go to, you went to your platoon sergeant back then and started saying, you'd be like, fuck off, you right, know? Right, So, but, so a lot of my life spun out of control because I was always seeking, like, 
being accepted or being happy. Like I always tell people, I go, I don't remember the last time I was ever happy. Do I laugh? Yeah, but I that where I was happy for a long period of time? No. But um, my biggest regret is um, being sentenced that day and watching. There was a group of about 15 of my friends, guys that I went to high school, Steve Tanner, Robbie Coors, all these great guys that loved me. They used to tell me, dude, you got to stop that crying. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad crying. I come from this great family, Catholic mom. I mean, church going, crying. Hurting them is the worst. Because... I'm a man. I was still young. I got arrested at 30. Even though five years at the time felt like the end of the world. I'm like, holy cow, how am I ever going to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and re- re- in reality of time, I mean, I'm 47 now and that time flew by and it means nothing but hurting, hurting my family, letting them down. And um, there was a lot of people that I used to party with that became junkies. You know, I remember when we talked in the gym recently and you were having a bad day. Yeah. And uh, we started talking about it, and I was in my own self-educated way, was trying to console you as best as I yeah. could and be there as a shoulder for you. But this this PTSD you suffer from, do you go through thoughts of suicide at all? Oh, um, anybody who really suffers from it will tell you that you probably think of suicide at least once every single I, day. If I may ask, have you ever tried to kill yourself? No, because if I did, I'd probably do it. I, I wouldn't, like, I think that people that try, it's not that hard to kill yourself if yeah, you really want to do it. And I've put guns in my mouth. Like, and, like Mel Gibson and, and Lethal Weapon, yeah, like ready like to that, pull the like, trigger. Like, yeah, like for example, I was in college, 1993, 94, 93, and I just come home, and this is back when you had answering machines. You see a light blinking, mm-hmm. and boom, I hit my recorder. It's an old friend of mine from from Third, third Ranger Battalion says, hey, Check out the news, blah, 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 something bad happened in Somalia. Back then, we had no internet, none of that stuff. So right. it wasn't like now, breaking news, something pop up on your phone. Right. Back then, you had to wait till the evening news. My unit, they got deployed. I left. I left the Army a year early to go back to college. I could have stayed. My contract was actually longer, but they were reducing the Army at the time. So I'm like, I kind of had some issues, and I was really angry at the Army at the time. So I got out. I'll finish college, and I'll come back as an officer. Well, Black Hawk Down happened. Mm. And those were a lot of my friends, guys that I went to basic training. Oh, really? With. Yeah. I read the book, saw the movie, yeah. but wasn't there. And I remember putting the gun, I remember crying and crying and putting the gun in my mouth. And like, and it was just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a coward, but I always feel like I don't want to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel if I end it, then I quit, you know, cause I always feel like you're right around the corner of something good happened, like your life changing. Well, I think I personally think and tell me if you think it's wrong of me that suicide is almost a form of cowardice it is. in a way and because you're actually victimizing your loved ones aside from what you yeah. think you're being victim of yourself and i'm i'm i have i don't have a right to say that but i have a right to say that but no it I is. have a right to comment on that I, no. I just real quick i i hate to say that you're right about it being a form of cowardice and, and eric you probably know better than anybody uh you know what what it feels like to to contemplate that but like i can't think of uh like to kill yourself, and like you said, you haven't tried because if you try, like it's not that hard. But like to actually drive your car off a cliff, or to take all the pills, or to pull the trigger, yeah. there's no. I mean, I don't want to say that it, there's nothing cowardly about it, but you. Ha- I mean, that's a very, very scary thing to do. But, but 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 what you're saying, Bruce, to leave your loved ones behind and and to to walk away without having to deal some of those things, I, I get it. I just hate the comparison of. 
oh, you're a coward. You no, know, it's a form of coward. It's not calling a coward. It's a form of coward. A lot of what I was telling Bruce before we even got in here was that what saved me is I came out strong family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. went to college, had a place to live, amazing friends. I met, you know, like, for example, a girl that I met in college, one of my best friends, her name's Mirti. I'm like, she has three daughters. She's been through everything. She's seen me going drugs and like crazy. But I had friends, my friends from high school. Like all my, I still have friends that you are there. support team. People get out. They went in the army having nothing. And now you come out with nothing right. and fucked up beyond belief. I can't even imagine what these guys are seeing and doing in They're Afghanistan. They're so food bars. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and what's helped me is just support. And I've been sitting there in the mornings. I get up every morning and go down to the to to the to the beach to see if I'm going to surf or not. And which I'm, we got to do together this summer. Once your once yeah. your knees good, yeah. absolutely. I get, I'm depressed. I'm depressed almost every day. But then I know, okay, by late a couple hours late, I'm going to feel better. And then I, and I've been good for the past two or three weeks. Doesn't but, hitting the mother ocean make you feel good? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Training in martial arts, that helped me. Okay, let's get back to that, because TJ, he trained at American Top Team, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about that, because you do have in a Florida? right. Florida? Yeah. You okay. Do, you do have a right to comment on fighters. Yeah. I mean, I know you're a fighter, so it's, yeah. you're, you're a real-life fighter, yeah. okay, a street warrior, but let's just give us your martial arts background. I mean, I um, I got to a point, people always, always tell me, well, get into martial arts, and you hear about guys that had PTSD down in San Diego and doing that kind of stuff, and I had a friend that he was part of owner of the American top team in Doral. So I went down there. Tiago Silva was the coach there and we went there. And I mean, it was just, it got to a point that I would go, I do a Muay Thai class at nine 30 in the morning, go to work, come back and do another Muay Thai class in the afternoon, a jujitsu class and the sparring and the camaraderie. And then we go, we go train at coconut Creek with the, the, the Tyrones, the, the, um, Eve Edwards, the best thing that ever happened to me. He, I don't know if you'll remember me. Obviously, we had a Saturday open sparring session at, at uh, Coconut Creek, and for people that don't know, Coconut Creek is like where all the monsters are at. Like that's the Dan Lambert, my buddy. The yeah, the oh, Bigfoot yeah. Silvas, the Robbie yeah. Lawlers, the Hector Lombards, and yeah. it's the mecca for ATT. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. A Pitbull in his prime, which Pitbull looked phenomenal. Yep. when he just fought. Yep, um, but. They had me because I was always the bigger dude. I was like 205 pounds. So I'm like, they'd always put me with the big guys. <laughs> so finally they put me with Eve Edwards at like 155, whatever he fights. And we were, we were sparring and sparring. I'll never forget. This is like my highlight in MMA. And we did a combo and I, I caught him with a body shot where he went, ugh. <laughs> after we got done, he came up. He goes, man, you got me really good. That was my highlight. I could have walked ah, away. Enjoy like, it. Ah. Enjoy it. Yeah. But. Eve's the sweetheart of a human being. He is too. a great guy. Yeah, all those guys, well, all those guys were great. One of the key reasons, um, you know, again, more fascinating as it goes along. You know, the movie Blow, George Chung's story, whatever. You've written your own story. When you were in jail, you wrote your book, yep. New Age Outlaws, yep. a true crime story. You call it. Yep. And is there, and you got rave reviews, and and people here, as I'm reading these reviews, they're comparing it. Uh, to what's an example? Goodfellas, you know, uh, Traffic, Point Break, one of my faves. <laughs> so, uh, bottom line, you know, it's obviously a book that moves the way when you talk. It's just you're talking. If the book moves the way it as is. you talk, is there interest in movie interest in this at all? There actually is. Um, you always hear about people always tell me, but then last week, I, this guy I've been surfing with for months. Um, I don't even know if I want to say his name, but no, no, keep it quiet. But he, um, he he goes, listen, I'm interested in your story. And we started talking. He bought the book. And then he went and found me the next day and came out. He goes, normally I don't surf here, but I wanted to come tell you. 
I want to do this. And he goes, if the studio won't let me direct it, I'll take it to Pete Berg. And everybody knows who Pete Berg is. Dude, this is his material. Yeah, a monster. By the it, way, you're going to go next uh, Tuesday it, with me? It, I mean, if you invite me, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll find out. I'll, find out, yeah. I'll get it all me, worked yeah. out. Because I was going to fly home Tuesday, but I was waiting. Oh, no, no, no. Well, you got to tell me that so I get on this thing. No, okay. I, I can fly out Wednesday. You know, it's, it's it, no I'm deal. law. I have no idea what the hell Peter you guys are Berg, talking about. Peter Berg has a boxing gym on Pico Boulevard uh -huh. in Santa Monica, which is a no-kick, no-kicks allowed boxing, pure boxing gym. Right. So Ari Emanuel. Never right? heard of him. Right. Ari Emanuel, the owner of the UFC right. and his group. Uh, once a month, they bring a speaker in. Okay. Right? And this month, on Tuesday, and if you want to go, I'll set it up too, is uh, Lonesome Survivor. Lone Survivor? Lone, not Lonesome. Yeah, not yeah. Lonesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was Lonesome Dove, excuse me. Yeah, that sounds like Lone, porn. Lone porn. Survivor, <laughs> you know, the, the Mark Wahlberg yeah. character yeah. who wrote the book. Marcus he, Luttrell is the, right, the he's name. Right, he's speaking, Marcus Luttrell speaking that night. Oh, wow. And we're going to listen to him speak for a couple hours, and then they serve food, and we all mingle. Next and it's Tuesday? only like, And it's like maybe 75 people. Next Tuesday? Yeah. Gary's going, Gary Randall, John Kiefer, wow. we're all going. Well, if you invite me, I'll come. Uh, you say that you want to go, and I'm going to make sure I get this set up, and we're all going to go. And you're going to, where are you going to meet me? Or where, where are you uh, going to? Casa de Buffer. Yes. Right. <laughs> but my partner for in this show for nine years, never been to my house. The, the thing with the I've been book, to your house before, not your new house. Sorry. My partner for the last year and a half had the new house, never been to the new house. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm glad, like, people are interested in the book, but if it happens, it happens because everybody who reads it tells me it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. But I wrote it because if I didn't write it, and my mom and dad will tell you, I would have done some bad stuff to people when I got out. I wrote, I vented. Explain further. I had to vent. Like, I got betrayed by two people that were. You would have, you've been on a revenge act. This was your reconciliation with yourself. I had to. When you say, yeah. I'm going to be blunt. When you say bad stuff, take them out. I would have fucking killed them. Like, really? literally, I would have fucking killed them. Because one thing, if I'm your friend, I'm your friend no matter what. You're, you're going to be my friend. I'm not going to. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, like, no, like people say, oh, he's my friend. Like, no, he's not. Like, like I'm your friend. Anybody who's known me my whole life or people, you're my friend. I will do anything for you. When your friend's your family. Yes. So Got you it. needed it. This was a vent for you. This is yeah. a cathartic experience. You the, needed this. Dude, the book started, when my dad got it, it was like 800 pages. Mm -hmm. Because I would go on, a, I'd start talking about something and literally fucking go bananas. This motherfucker, like, da, 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 da. I, you know, obviously it had to be edited down because, you know, nobody wanted to go on a rant for. Well, you don't want to incriminate yourself either. So no, but then I'm 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 in prison with hitmen. I'm in prison with cartel people. I'm in, in prison with butchers. I'm in. You're not so, in a white collar jail for people that didn't pay their taxes. No, no, You're was, in no, with people. No, 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 no. No, it's a combination. No, federal prison is a combination. Really? You got federal, you know, blue collar yeah, judges, senators. True. You know, I was people. I was in people. I was locked up with people that stole caviar. You know, what? Yeah, federal crime. You know, so but you're in there with these guys that were the cocaine cowboys from the seventies and eighties. Right. Trigger men for the fucking gotchas. I mean, can I cuss? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, okay. no, please do. My dad's gonna say something. This Every is a, this is a Sammy Phillips. No, yeah, no yeah, yeah. My, my dad. When my dad listens to this, he's gonna be like, "Everything was great, but use the." Why do you have uh, to I use like the F word? Your dad's old breed, man. This is like my pop. Yeah, that cool. one F word ruined the entire yeah, exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can but, just imagine. But. Yeah, I mean, I was with these guys, and they're the ones telling me, listen, this anger, this hate, it's going to make your time seem 50 times longer. Really? Like, yeah. So, the, and my mom was crying, because my first six months, I spent in a penitentiary in Atlanta, 23-hour day lockdown. You're in a room, one freaking room, like a 
third of the size of this. Oh my god! With two or three people, you came out twice a week to shower. You got one phone call a week. Your food was fed under the thing. As a human being, how no, hard no, is that? It's, you wind up aside from you know you wind up fighting inside those small rooms. No, I mean, has no, it, everybody no, no, gets along. No, you, try to get along? you have to. You have to. You're, I mean, I mean, you have to. I was I was in there with a guy that got 25 years for 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 cocaine, and we he was growing up in Atlanta, and we got we would play games like he'd be like like a Friday night. Hey, what are you gonna do Friday night? I'm like, oh man, let's get go to the club, and he's like, I'll come pick you up, and we play mental games to not lose your mind. And he's like, all right, cool. And then we get to the club, and he had a he had a, a Walkman, not a Walkman, but like a little radio, and he would put it into styrofoam cups, so it would make like a speaker, like a prison yeah. speaker. And then we'd be like, pretend we're in a club on a Friday night, and yeah, it, it was nasty, man. Like USP Atlanta, anybody who's done any time in the feds, you say USP Atlanta, you cringe. They call it Castle Grayskull from the old Grayskull cartoon. Sure, yeah. Wow. It was made in like. I mean, I don't freaking know how long. You got 40-foot walls, gun towers, razor wire. I mean, it was just horrible. There was one one thing I even, I think I talk about in the book, where I'm looking through a little crack of the door, you know, out of my room. Oh, on the weekends, you got locked in your room at 5 in the afternoon on, on Friday after you went to lunch. Or you're, you went, because what you do is they let you out, go pick up a tray of food, mm-hmm. and come back. From Friday till Monday morning at 7, you never came out of the room. So you're in a 12-by-12 oh 12 cell with two or three people for do you have, do you this have is almost reading soli- material? This Nothing. is almost no. solitary confinement. I mean, it is. Besides the it fact is. that you're no, with two other it people. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any kind of reading no. material? No. You're banned from all that? No. So you're you're basically just, in the hole. You're in the hole. It is. The hole, because somebody, uh, an inmate, like in the 80s, killed the guard. Mm-hmm. So they made it a lockdown facility. That's it. You came out and... Uh, we would shower because you have to do push-ups and setups to not lose your mind in there. And what we would yeah. do is then you put, clog up the toilet, you know, those metal toilets, clog it up, clog it up with, with paper towels, and then flush it so it's fill up with water, and you would sh- use that water to shower. Oh, my God. Yeah. But there's, there's a part where I'm talking about, I'm looking, it's like nighttime, and I can't sleep, and I'm looking through the crack of that. The, and, the I, and I did not have a TSA pre-check line in Kansas I know, City. Buffer. Jeez. <laughs> Dude, I'm watching, and there's mice. Oh, at night you had the stuff, um, toilet paper, anything under the slot of the door because rats would come in your room. Rats. Rats. And you Did could you hear find them. my dad had instances in Okinawa and stuff where the rats, the guys wake up and the rats are gnawing on them. Oh, yeah, or eating the dead. Yeah. So I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm, we're on the second tier. Of well, this. well, eating the dead, we could give anybody die in this? this no, 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 no. And, and during, oh, we don't, during, all during the time, too, all yeah. the time, all the time. No, not in my book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the end of it. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the, through the window and all of a sudden I see a, a rat scurry across the floor. And get to the edge and jump off. And in my mind, I'm like, this place is so fucking bad. The rats are committing suicide. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's 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 even. I mean, I can't even explain how how bad it is. Let me let me explain one thing because you you know it, this is really good. This is in the book and more yeah. and more and more. Um, again, the name of the book is New Age Outlaws. It's on Amazon. A true crime story, uh, written by Resner West. I call you Eric because yeah. that's that's. That's your name, but I mean, Resner West is your is your title on the book. Great cover, by the way. How did you come up with this cover? Um, just well, you know, what's funny Can I is show that this, TJ. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me uh, let me get you on the one shot there, and then uh, put it in front of the camera. Okay, one second. That director that's interested in the book, he actually wants to redo the cover and put that in the back, and then the front be a different. What type. is the meaning of uh, the you know the beautiful girl on the cover? What is this? It was almost like a pin, like almost. 
the partying back like in Betty, the day. Betty Grable. Yeah, exactly. Like the partying back in the days, like just the, the amount of drugs and all the shenanigans. And we okay, you know, let's talk a little. We have a sex and relationship show, or, you know, or we call it It's Time with Sammy Phillips now. We do disclaimers on, but my God, you must have partied up with some pretty beautiful women, just like in the movies. Come on, was that like the movies? No, it, better than the movies. Well, get into it, baby. Let it me was, hear some of this. I mean, <laughs> well, two of the guys I worked with they ended up betraying me. One of the guys that betrayed me, they own nightclubs in, my, in, in Atlanta. Hello. So we're in the nightclubs. We're running the nightclubs. I'll never forget this. Uh, Super Bowl 1999, uh, Titans, St. Louis in, in Atlanta. Right. Every VIP is their Super Bowl weekend, right? I'm walking up to my friend's nightclubs, and you got Jerry Wright. All these people waiting in line to get checked in. I walk up to the front. My boy Miguel's running the club. I walk up, give him a high five. I look at the crowd. I walk in, and all these guys like John Elway, you know, Rand, uh, John Rand. All these people waiting to come in. I'm just like Johnny fucking cool over there. Then I walk in. But, um, yeah, the amount of women, <laughs> everything I've ever did in the party scene was chicks. Like, I, I'm, I was never the guy that did drugs and in a room by himself. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I did cokes because the strippers like coke. I would go to strip clubs on a Tuesday night by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, all my other friends worked, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I got a pocket full of money, drugs, coke, ecstasy. I go to these clubs and just party. Yeah, but the amount of women was ridiculous. So where, what happened to all the money? Um, did you make, in your own mind, uh, your, excuse me, in your, in your life in this time, I mean, you make millions? No, not millions. Um, make a million? I made a million. But so where'd it from, go? What, what happened? I, I mean, I mean, you got to read the book. But I got the. I'm I got, gonna read the book. I got arrested. I got detained. I got snitched out. I got detained at the Miami at the Atlanta airport, going to Miami, mm-hmm. and I had two hundred ten thousand dollars cash in my backpack. Right. So that's gone. My bond was two hundred fifty thousand dollars after the DEA. Everybody raided me. Right. So I had to pay twenty five grand there. Then. Um, you don't. I, you don't have to get the full on. No, I had money invested. I lost people. People that owed me hundred grand. Fuck me. Once you me. get arrested, you can't hold on to anything anyway, to no. a degree. Well, if you have, if you're smart, the smart thing with, with me would have been high bu- cash, bought real estate, or had um, investments. You know, different stuff like that. But I didn't. I I had people I trusted. People didn't pay me. Could they have seized any of that if you own real estate? If they, yeah, if it's under your name. Yeah, so, so you're kind of. It's like no, but we. I had a I had a I had a company because what I was, I was using my money and I was buying old houses and fixing them up and it was all under other people's names. Gotcha. But when I went to prison, they kept all the money. No, they don't gotcha. want to pay me yeah, anymore. Of but of course, you know. So were they any of the people you would certainly take out if you had to go back? Um, they were friends of those people. Gotcha. Yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. But yeah, but writing the book was the best thing I ever did because it it helped me release. I mean, I still have anger. And one of the guys actually I ran into in prison because he ended up getting arrested two years later after me. Mm-hmm. And we ran into each other in prison. And the guy was like a Golden Glove boxer and wrestled on the Spanish Olympic team. Hello. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't, I can't fight this guy here. He saw me. He came over. He was crying. He hugged me. And we're great friends to this day. We talk because he goes through a lot of depression, too. And, you know, we like we're great friends. We are talk you, almost every day. Are you taking meds? No. I've been off meds since um, two, uh, 2005. Do you need to be on meds? Sometimes I feel like I need to, but the problem with meds, though, is that you get constipation, you get vertigo, yeah. dry mouth, um, you get sluggish. So I'm probably, I, I just got into the VA like three weeks ago, which mm. I should have done years ago. And therapy, I believe, talking to people is the best thing. Always. And maybe, I don't know if they have different meds right now. I just, the ones that were on were really, really strong. 
and um, I just didn't like the side effects. I'm glad you're not on them. I, I, I think yeah. you should try to defeat this if you can or battle this if you can yeah. naturally. One last thing before we go into some news stories, which I know you'd like to talk about, TJ. Do you know what he did after he got out of jail? What's that? He opened. A, he became a dispensary owner. What? <laughs> the funny part is I don't even smoke weed, but it just made sense. Like, um, oh, I love this story. Like, like, well, I mean, you already know the business. My dad says that's my. My parents are the ones that gave me the money. My parents are like, but my, my dad's like, well, you're already good at marketing, you know. So. Smart dad. Yeah, but the the dispensary business is going down the drain unless you're you're big money. Like, yeah, you're gonna get squashed. It's gonna get squashed, and there's no money. Like a a, a you know a a pound of good Cali Kush that you could sell three, four, five years ago for thirty seven hundred bucks, you can't even sell now for twenty two hundred. And so why is that? Is it just it's so uh, oversupply and demand? demand. So oversupply and demand. And, yeah. and you're still spending the amount of, same amount on newts and lights and electricity and air All conditioning. the hydroponics and everything yeah. involved, yeah. So I'm out of that completely. Is, is that just going the way of basically big tobacco? Well, that's who's going to destroy it. That's, right. That is what's going to destroy Budweiser, it. Budweiser, Walmart, big tobacco, they're going to crush you. So. I had a meeting last night. I had a business yeah. meeting last night with a large group, I can't say names right now, that are creating the pharma with the CBDs, mm -hmm. right? And they're going to start working with, they want to start with NFL, NBA, they're praying that, you know, the MMA industry opens up. Right. The benefits of CBD, as we discussed before in the show, for, for numerous. Mouse, numerous, numerous, Alzheimer's, yeah. anxiety, again, PTSD, all these different things. So they're on the pharmaceutical, they're a pharmaceutical company that met with me because they actually yeah. are talking to me about being a spokesperson. Uh, when they reach that level, and because of my belief in the medicinal values, not a pot necessarily, of the CBD, yeah. which is the, the part that is not, it's not about getting high here. Yeah. We're talking about the medicinal effects for arthritis and all these benefits. And Kristen's mom, right, if I can say this, started taking it prescribed by her doctor for what she's going through, and she's actually able to walk again. TJ. I, I believe it. Um the, the most powerful video I've seen uh, for CBD or marijuana, for that matter, is uh, a gentleman that suffered from Parkinson's, and mm -hmm. he's, he's just right. constantly just rocking. That's one of her problems, TJ. So terribly, yeah. and then just one hit off a vape pen, and this person could walk again. That's like, right. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Listen, I tell people I'm the spokesperson for it because I hate pot. Mm. I don't smoke it. I can't stand anything in my lungs, but it freaking works one million percent. Yeah. Dude. Well, the CBD aspect sleep. is even more, yeah. even more. It, it, you get past the is it legal? Is it not legal? It, it's, it's there's a stigma. Medicinal. There's yeah, just a stigma. a stigma. And once you get past it, like I, I, I feel I feel bad for people that need marijuana because the simple fact is. For so long, marijuana has been looked upon as this party drug, this recreation drug, and because you smoke it. It's looked upon as something that isn't medicine. Like, think yeah. if we had to smoke Advil. Like, people would, would never think about well, that. And when you think of marijuana, what do you think? Like, yo, bro. Right. Blah, yeah, yeah. Beavis yeah. and Butthead. Let, yeah. The skateboard. obnoxious yeah. pothead. Exactly. Right. It's, it's but the, the bottom line is, they're, like, just watch the video I'm talking about with the person with Parkinson's. No, I've seen it. I know, yeah, exactly, it's, I know it's, it's the exact same one, but I know exactly right. what you're talking it, about. The, the bottom line, and then people with epilepsy. I've heard of people that yeah. have uh, thousands of mini seizures a day, and they'll, you know, use marijuana or just CBD oil, and it cuts the number down yeah, by yep. 75%. It's just Listen, crazy. Listen, true story. One of my closest friends, and I, may, I met an American top team, he just, we, 
we did it for fun, you know, for, for whatever him, his was another release. He owns one of the most successful, his family owns one of the most successful Cuban bakery franchises in Miami called Vicky bakery. Phenomenal. You ever in Miami do it. He has to smoke pot four or five, six times a day. Cause he had such bad anxiety and they were putting him on, um, um, Xanax. Yeah. And he's Which like, is horrible. So no. now he smokes a little bit, dude. And the right, the guy runs 18 bakeries, a warehouse, yeah. nonstop yeah. family, two yeah. kids, Super successful, but he smokes it because right. what's the option? Drugs? No, no, no I like. I'm sorry. Anytime you can smoke a little bit of weed compared to taking massive amounts of we pills, we talk about it all the time. I, I'm sorry. I do go smoke a little green, and it's natural. Yada yada yada. Am, rather than something that's put together in a lab and by scientists. One last scary. Thing, one last thing on the subject. I, I've spoken to more than one NFL uh, veteran. Yeah, I'm not going to mention names who had pain pill problems because of all the pain pills thrown at him and wishes, wishes they could have at least just smoked marijuana. This is what scares me. So you know the marijuana, uh, the, the, the NFL has banned marijuana, right? Okay, you cannot be uh, testing positive for marijuana. Did you know that if you are playing in the middle of a game, they take you back, uh, you get injured, your back, anything like they that? They, they No, no, they wrap you up with, with uh, like, uh, say, say you hurt your knee. They're going to yeah. wrap your knee up. They're going to give you... A Percocet, and they're going to have you go back out there and play that game. Yes, that game. Yes. Like the fact, like again, you can't smoke a little bit of weed, but we're going to send you back out into the field high on opiates. The, there's a problem here. Watch uh, on any given Sunday. Um, yeah. There's a problem. Yeah. Watch here. that movie. I just watched it like when I was home. Yeah, damn good movie. Or John Jones is allowed to fight. Test positive for cocaine, which is a stimulant. Right. Nick Diaz gets suspended right. for a gazillion years right. for smoking weed. Who's that? You think right. weed's a PED? <laughs> yeah. Hello, no. No. You I might mean, come across the ring and eat a ding dong and go to sleep. Ma- I mean, come on. Maybe, wait, 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 down and put his head. <laughs> from a from a PED standpoint, maybe marijuana is something therapeutic for your brain. Yeah. You can process things different. Yeah. Well, but, it but, should but, not. It should not be smoked in the night not, of the fight. No, no of course. No I mean, the, the thing is, you should not be under the influence of. Any recreational right. drug when you're fighting, okay, when you actually step in the cage. But if you want to smoke weed during your training camp, you want to get high after, I don't care. Dude, me. Leading up. like Free the, choice. The pressure. Like I told him when he met me outside, I got up at 5 in the morning because I was shit. Yeah, I was shit right. so much anxiety to right. come here. These fighters are waiting two months, three months, yeah. five, a week, two weeks. Three, well, dude, I wouldn't sleep for... I couldn't sleep. And I'd, I'd, I'd take a nap. Another thing, too, goes. I mean, look at what is riding on one fight. If you say you only fight once or twice a year, half of your money is yeah, yeah. whether or not you win or lose. That I mean, one fight can dictate whether or not you lead the life of excess and yeah. how much you can do whatever you want to do or if you barely get by. There's a lot riding on each individual battle. Being, a, being and like a lot of... With PTSD and stuff, a lot of military people they see it as bad. Like I have friends that I, can, I, I they still don't know I ever I ever was ever in prison. They still don't know I ever was involved in a dispensary. They still don't know anything because of that. They're gonna stigma. they're gonna know now, obviously. Yeah, but because of the stigma of the, of the thing, you know, I, I have dear friends that are suffering, but you can never bring that up because they still think it's a it's a super bad thing. Let's go on to a few news stories here. Um, I you know I was going to talk about the missiles off Korea and all this. All I want to say is without going into that because we kind of like been on similar subjects to a degree, but it's really scary right now. There's more hot points facing the, U- the U- UFC. <laughs> I was going to say UFC. Hello. I played poker till 5 o'clock in the morning, guys, so I'm a little... I'm yeah, you look else. terrible today. Thank you. Thank you for the close-up, <laughs> Mr. DeMille. So with that being said, um, there's more hot points facing the USA now than ever. 
There's more people that are opposing us than ever. We are in for scary times. The missile was launched, which was a planned test, which failed in Korea. They plan, I've heard, on even testing on a daily basis. Um, whether it was intercontinentally bound potential or not is remains to be seen. The fact is they're not telling us about the nuclear capabilities going on over there. All right, so there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And another thing, I'm sorry, I'm going to end on a positive note, but we've got to talk about this. TJ, you're a father. I am. I'm a godfather. Do you have children? Okay. Just found out. We all heard about that horrific story with the NFL player Ugh. that ran over his three-year-old yeah. child. Todd Heaton. Yeah. I can't even imagine what the rest of his life is going to be like. You know, and I, I'm not... I'm not cursing at him. I'm actually feeling for him, and that the, all the it was an accident. On. It was an accident. Things happen, unfortunately. That incident of parents running over their children happens more, way more than you than want you to admit. Yeah. My brother Brian was five, four or five years old. Five years old. We're in Dallas, Texas. We're playing like doctor. His leg is out in the in the driveway. The bold Pontiacs, the high Pontiacs. My mother's backing out. She's four eleven to begin with, but she's right. backing out. No way she could see, and she fears. Boom, boom, Right? And she puts it in forward, goes forward, boom, boom. Yeah. She ran over my brother's leg and broke it clean in half. God forbid it was the other way around. You know, my dad comes out, you know, Sonny, can you stand? You know, and it makes me stand up. And mom takes him to the hospital. And she never forget, he looked at her and said, Mommy, why'd you try to kill me? You know, oh, my like, oh, God. My God. You know, but I mean, my, my brother loves my mother. Everything's great. Oh, I'd milk that for a little while, though. Yeah, at least yeah, through my oh, teen years. Killer, oh, he milks it every Christmas Thanksgiving. Gifts. It comes out every <laughs> Thanksgiving. So, we just talked about it, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a tough uh, conversation yearly. So here's another thing that happened. And again, I've, I'm condolences, wishes. I, yeah. I'm so bad at this, but it's just you know, my heart goes out to this. Do you hear what happened to the Atlanta restaurant? Oh, the... There's a rotating restaurant. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. you and I have stayed at that hotel, by the way. Yeah, downtown. Oh, is that, that, that's, oh my that's God. Yeah, Inn you're and, right. Yeah, it's the Weston yeah. Petrie. A five-year-old boy was downtown Atlanta Tower with his parents... He got stuck between the table and the wall as the floor moved. Did you hear how big the space was? How big? Only four or five inches. Crush, but yeah. that's because he he was that small that he was uh, fit, he fit in there. Now, there was supposed to be an automatic stop, and unfortunately, it didn't engage. It's, so. just, it's just so horrific. And, of course, you know, at that age, as in similar ages around there, that you can't take your eyes off your kids. No. Uh, you can't. In public, generally, when my son was that small, either he was restrained uh, in a chair or we would hold on to him. Like, there would always be some sort of contact because in something like that, the minute you think everything is fine, no, it's no. not. And, 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 and you can't take that back. In and you Florida, know you're having the problems with people leaving their cars and the kids in the back seat. They remember an hour later. <sighs> I don't know how that happens. Yeah. I really don't know how that happens. I don't happens. know how that happens either. That's, that's, some, that's just that's horrible. So... You know, this also happened at Disneyland years ago. They have that attraction where you sit in the audience and the and the stage revolves around. Uh, it's a La La Land, or so, I forget the name of it. I don't so know. one of the employees got stuck in the wall, right in front of everybody. Done. Horrible. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that terrible. Ride. All right, so let's. Okay, that was boy, that was lifting. You uh, always. I, say I thought these... you ended on a good note. No, he, well, I got I got a good note for United Airlines. Did you ever see scorpions? Or excuse me, you ever see snakes on a plane? Yeah, there so are the, MF and snakes on this MF and plane. This guy, probably the best verbalizer oh. of MF is in, outside of Dana White in the world, Samuel Jackson. So this has been a great week for United Airlines. So he, g give us a better story. <laughs> so <laughs> Fight Club. A guy is sitting. He's on a United Airlines flight from Houston to Calgary. Feels something. 
you know, come down on his head. He reached for the overhand bin. A scorpion lands on him. Oh, I saw that yesterday. And stings him. Oh, he got stung. I didn't know he got stung. stung. Yeah, yep. Now, scorpion sting. He grabbed it by the tail when he did it, stung him. It hurts, but it doesn't kill you, right? No, no, some scorpions. The black scorpions, I understand, are extremely venomous, but not incorrect on that. Well, was this man okay? Yeah, yeah, he's okay, but do you smell lawsuit? This goes into our next story. (laughs) All right, we talk about lawsuits because everybody's out to get quick money these days. Get about one minute. El Pollo Loco. Made a gross mistake and tossed an extra ingredient into a slide of macaroni and cheese. Of course, according to a new lawsuit, a California woman claims she took her three kids to the chicken joint, found a foreign object in her side dish. According to docs by TMZ, the object was a bloody alcohol swab. She says it didn't actually get into her mouth, but now she's demanding $75,000 for her and her minor children, who all sustained injuries to their health, strength, and activity, just like their mom from the experience. We're suing? We're suing, Father? Um, I don't know. I wasn't there, so I can't say. Anyway. Probably. I mean, probably. Uh, Fast and the Prosperous. I talked to... Uh, 30 seconds. Talked to Dwayne Johnson's agent today, mm-hmm. or, uh, this weekend. It was at the show. Grossed over $100 million domestically, over $500 million internationally. Largest grossing film to date. Opening weekend. Unbelievable. Can I give a quick shout-out to a friend of mine? That this reti- is your shout-out time. Go for it. Gotcha. Um, this goes out... I mean, a, there's a, a lot of unsung heroes out there, and one of my best friends, you know, I know he's going through a lot now, but great family, but he retired after 21 years... As a ranger, Delta Force, the baddest of the badass, he retired as a lieutenant colonel. Jose Melendez, Kike, I just want to say shout out to him for giving his career Huge to this country. Out. Much respect for your service to our country. Much respect and his much respect. Uh, great having you on the show, Eric. Bruce, thank you so much. A lot of fun. Thank you very much. Um, we'll chit chat a little bit afterwards. Absolutely. And no reason to be anxious to come hang out here. We got to have you back because I feel like yeah. we haven't even touched, uh, touched the story really. No. So. Now. All right, guys, next anytime. Tuesday, 25th, you guys want to go, we'll talk about it afterwards, right? Absolutely. Sure. I'll set Thank it up. You. All right, everybody, treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Life is worth living. Life is worth winning. Set your goals. Write them down. Pursue them. Get the knowledge you need to be on that path to success. It's all about being the best you can be and being a role model to the people around you. Be strong. Be honest. This is Bruce Buffer. It's time to win. We'll be back next week. Buffer out. It's time with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams.